Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. So God, let's get to the message today. I want to talk to you probably today and next week, if things work out right, on in a pinch, if I could call it something, in a pinch. Has anybody ever been in a pinch? Has anybody ever been pinched? All right. So in a pinch. And in a pinch would be what we would call a crisis. In a pinch is a situation when the situation is critical. I Googled it. That's what it means. When a situation is critical or something is necessary. Do you realize that sometimes an in a pinch moment is necessary to God for us? That God allows us and sometimes God creates an in a pinch moment for us. And sometimes we create it for ourselves, and he likes it when we do that. Because then he can show something to us about him that we've never seen before. If we never have in a pinch moments or crisis in our life, then there's certain sides of God that we'll never learn about. So in a pinch, crisis is an opportunity to experience God on a deeper level that maybe you have not previously known him. And maybe you've known part of that, but you're like, wow, God really can show up and show off on an in a pinch moment or crisis. Crisis for the child of God is a way for the, to understand God deeper and learn about things with God. And when God, when God in the Bible wanted to reveal himself, he would create a crisis or he would allow someone else to create a crisis. People in scripture would find themselves in scenarios that they could not solve. In no way in their own understanding, they had circumstances they could not circumvent. And God would allow them to go through that or he would set them up. So being in a pinch is when there are not too many more options that, and you're actually out of options. Or there may not be many sides you can turn to, but you just got to deal with the situation. And everything you tried, maybe, in your crisis is not working. Maybe you try to buy your way out and, and there's no nothing to buy here. Maybe you don't have friends that can give you the proper hookup in this time. Also, when you lean on all your knowledge and you can't even figure it out. So we call this being in a pinch or in a pickle or in between a rock and a hard place. A catch-22. Some people would even call it a trick bag. Maybe we've called it a predicament. Maybe your life is a predicament. Maybe your life. You're like, that's me. Hello, I'm here. Some of us could say that today. But today, let's look at being in a pinch as Christ as the predicament. On the level that God is using things in your life to expose you to a different side of him that you've never seen before, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 8. This is the Apostle Paul talking. He said, for we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction. Think about it. He said, we don't want you to be unaware that we was afflicted. <laughs> and the, the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened. Beyond our strength, that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He said, we thought we was going to die. God allowed this in a pinch moment. But we begin not to rely on ourselves, but on the God who raised the dead. We learned what resurrection was all about, was what Paul said. I learned because we almost died, 
We thought we was going to die. We really did. But we had to believe God and on ourselves, and we didn't die. So we learned about his resurrection. He said he delivers from a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he would deliver us again. So Paul describes this in a pinch moment as a being a moment in crisis in which he believed he was at death's door. They all did. But he said, listen, God showed me his resurrection. He showed me what it really means, not just spiritually, but in the natural. He said, we should have died. We believe it was just death. There's no way we can live. But we just called on to God and we called on to him and we learned about the resurrection of God. Of how he can bring us from a death moment to a life moment. See, it's one thing to say that God's the healer if you have never been sick. But it's a whole nother level when you have been sick and God's healed you. It's one thing to say, oh, he's the resurrection to life. And yes, we know spiritually he resurrects us. But when you've been at death's door and you know the circumstance or the sickness said you should have died, but yet God resurrects you. It's one thing to say he's the resurrection, but it's another thing to experience the resurrection. It's one thing to say that God's a way maker and you already, and you already know your way. Oh, I know what I'm doing. I know how everything's going. Oh, he's the way. Let me tell you, honey. He's the way maker. You know, they're going through a bad time. I'm not. He's a way maker. It's so easy to say that. But when you didn't know your way and he made a way and you declare he's a way maker, that's different. But it's a level that you've gotten to know him. See, God allows us in a pinch moment in our lives for us to see God like we've never seen him. And probably the most popular story and most brought up story time and time again in the Old Testament and even a few times in the New Testament is when God allowed the children of Israel to go through something incredible. There's a famous story called the Red Sea story. The opening of the Red Sea. The parting of the Red Sea. This story dominates the Old Testament. is repeated over and over. And it was the biggest in the pinch moment of the entire Old Testament. And no doubt that's why they keep bringing up God, the God of the Red Sea. Everybody knows, listen, he made the walls, the, the water turn to the walls. And we didn't have mud. We was kicking up dust. Made me think of that country song. I believe that might have been Jason Aldean. I should be listening to that stuff. Help me, Jesus. Can't help it. It's catchy. But the Red Sea is an event none of them would forget. And every generation would talk about it. God uses crisis moments for us to draw closer to him and to know him more. So for over 400 years, to give you just a setting, I know we've heard this before, but I'm going to give you a different way of looking at this story today. For over 400 years, the children of Israel had expanded in Egypt under Egyptian bondage. God had planned on moving them to the promised land. And the problem was this. The children of Israel was very comfortable after 400 years and them populating and expanding. They was very comfortable in Egypt. You can be comfortable without God. People do it every day. There's people with money in the bank, bills paid, enjoying life. Never hitting the doors of the church and never calling on God. And they seem very comfortable. We see people live like that every day. Don't get me wrong. Sin can have misery to it too. No doubt. Not everybody's always happy. But you can be comfortable without God. 
Egypt represents sin, and people are comfortable without God every day, and we see that they're doing okay. But God did not want the children of Israel to stay in Egypt, and they were comfortable. And God said, I've got to make them uncomfortable. To get your children, okay, some of you, if you've got a 35-year-old city living with you, you've got to make them uncomfortable to leave. Now, they might have left for a while, came back and all that. But you know what I'm saying, if they never left your home, never got a job, never pursued college, you got to make them uncomfortable to leave. you got to make them start paying some bills. you got to make them start doing things they've never done before. you got to figure out, how am I going to make this child uncomfortable so they can go out and do their own thing, right? And then you're like, if it's a man, a young man, you're like, any, any girl, come on, you need to go talk to my boy. Maybe you can motivate him to get a job. You know, you're just trying to find him. So if you make everything free, they never will leave. You have to make them uncomfortable for them to leave. An eagle will make their children uncomfortable in the nest so that they will fly away. They will make it complete. They'll start ripping everything out. And then they're like, this is not comfortable in here no more. And then the eaglets begin to fly. God will remove things from our lives or move things in our lives to make us uncomfortable. You're like, my God, you're preaching to me. I better be listening because I am very uncomfortable in this season. According to Exodus 2, God allowed the children of Israel to face difficult times. And it took away comfort, and it made them uncomfortable. In fact, they got a new leader. They did not know the God of Joseph, according to Scripture. In other words, he did not know about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and the God of Joseph. He did not know about th this Joseph that came and, and, and interpreted dreams. He didn't care about all that. He didn't care about the heritage of the children of Israel. So here he goes in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8, 11, and 12 says this. And now there arose a new king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. There's so many of them. They're like, we don't even want to deal with these people. So they made things very difficult on them. Exodus 2, 23 and 24 says, And their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God made them so uncomfortable. He's like, they're going to call on me eventually. They're going to remember the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're going to remember the God of Joseph. And when they do, they're going to call on me because I'm going to allow this oppression to get so strong on them. I'm going to allow this crisis, this in-the-pinch moment to be so much pressure that they're going to begin to call on me. And God heard their groanings. God remembered, my God, I feel he's anointed. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That lets me know the day that God never forgets us. No matter the battle, no matter the end of pinch, no matter how much you're strained, no matter how much pressure you have. I know the job is pressure, but maybe God is allowing you to get uncomfortable to see a different side of him. Maybe the marriage is starting to get some pressure and it's uncomfortable, but maybe it's time to call on God. Maybe your children is not acting right and you came in here disturbed today during a pinch and you're in a crisis. May I tell you the same God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac today is the same God. God that is hearing our cries in this house in our in a pinch and crisis moment. Y'all quiet today. Right now is a good time to go. Don't patty cake. Don't get quiet. Y'all's patty caking. I'll let you bow on this one. Good golf shot, Pastor. Good golf shot. They did not cry out to God until things got bad, though. You see, when everything's okay, how do we pray? We pray those polite prayers, sophisticated. Pastor.
passive prayers. God, you're so good to me. You know, you're not in a storm. You're on top of the mountain. It's just raining blessings, material blessings, physical blessings, children acting all right. Oh, so sophisticated. God is here. Isn't it great? You know, and you got someone down there in the valley. No, it's not great. I'm in a pinch. I'm between a rock and a hard place. See, there are times, but not every time, but in times when God wants to move you into a state of being in a pinch. Sometimes we create those, but then there's times that God is just shoving us to that place. Just as the eagle does with the eaglets. And so they gotta fly, they gotta get out of here. I'm not feeding them forever. You gotta get out of here. I mean, the eagle already looks, I mean, they're majestic, but they look, they look like vicious, like they could eat your face off if you look at them the right way, like I have. Like, man, that thing, you know, carrying baby goats in other countries around, just eating them. <laughs> like when they come go around the eagle, you're just holding Ethan really tight. <laughs> That's my only one. Can't have him. <laughs> there are times, but not every time, God pushes a little bit. But I know there's some theology out there that says you may be hearing that says that God only wants to bless you. You know, God never puts you in a pinch moment. He's always so good, and he always blesses. You know what? God does bless us. Materials is a way that God blesses us, but not all materials are God's blessing either. But can I tell you, the same God that's good when you're on the mountain is the same God is sovereign and good and faithful when I'm in a pinch. Now I'm preaching. I'm glad y'all are finally with me a little bit now. For you all, this is not clapping. I'm joking. Come on. Got to have fun. You, you see, God is so good that when he precipitates a crisis in your life to find out things about him that you never knew. See, God, getting, getting fired can be a God thing. Some of you are like, I wish they'd fire me. Just go ahead. <laughs> Make my day, would you? You know, losing something sometimes can be as good as gaining something. Downturns can be the greater blessing than an up, upturn. Hebrews 12 teaches us that everything that will be shaken, God will shake. He, but he's in an unshakable kingdom. The kingdom can't be shaken. But when he's talking about that, he's talking about the natural. Sometimes God will shake everything in the natural to get us uncomfortable. And he'll start shaking the things on the job and shaking things in your church. He'll start shaking things in your family. He'll begin to shake things and you're uncomfortable. And next thing you know, okay, God, you got my attention. I'm in a pinch. I was, I was sophisticated, polite prayers yesterday. But today I'm in warfare and I'm aggressively praying. I'm declaring war on the devil. I'm pleading the blood and I'm drawing closer to you. I mean, it's just you turn, you flip the switch. See, God remembered his agreement with them. That's the reason why the Bible says that God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, we have an agreement with God that he will never leave us nor forsake us. We have an agreement that we're unfaithful, he's always faithful. That we may not be good, he's always good, even when he pushes us in a pinch. Does it make you a bad parent to make your kid uncomfortable? No. Does it make you a bad parent to tell them to clean their room, get up on time, brush their teeth, eat right, and do healthy things? No. Even if it makes them feel like they're in crisis, you're saying you're going to do it and you're going to like it and you better smile. Right? See, 
You've got to remember God. We have an agreement with him. Even his agreement is to seek your good, even if he has to use the bad to do it. Now, there's people not preaching that today. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are called according to his purpose. So it doesn't matter how bad, ugly, good it is. He can put it all together and work it out to purpose in your life. Christ should cause us to draw closer to God. And as the children of Israel calling on God, God is speaking to Moses at this bush and, and, and that will not burn. A bush that won't burn, it's on fire. Could you imagine seeing a bush? It is ablaze, but it's not burning. And God speaks. God's showing up. Walks over to the bush that will not burn. It's on fire. God speaks to Moses and calls him, take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. We know all the story, but first of all, this is a contradiction. How do you set a bush on fire? And it not burn. The other contradiction is, is like Moses felt delivered from Egypt, but now God's calling him back to Egypt. That's a contradiction. We call this a contradiction. God will get in the middle of the thing in your life that doesn't make sense. In a pinch is a contradiction. How did we get here? Why is this happening? There's way more easier things to go through than this. God will get in the middle of the thing that doesn't make sense. Maybe this message is for us to run to our contradiction because we find God in this story with many contradictions. He's right in the middle of it. Can I tell you, God is in the middle of your contradiction and he is speaking. He's trying to get our attention. God calls Moses in the moment at the burning bush to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let the people go. So Pharaoh says no nine times. Nine times. No, 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 no. Just keeps on going. Then the tenth time he's like, okay, this is enough. God just wiped out their firstborn all across the land except for the children of Israel because they had the blood. And they was applied, aren't you thankful for the blood that protects you? And the blood was over their house. And the Passover, the death angel came through and not even God's own death angel can cross the bloodline. But they were spared and Pharaoh sees all this. He said, y'all just go ahead and go. Get out of here. See, when you study this story out, God forced the sinner, Pharaoh, to set the child of God free. God will even use those in your life that's got ill will against you to end up blessing you. He's that big of a God that he can. Exodus 13, 17, 18, when God let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that it was near, God did not give them the closest path. God sometimes doesn't give us the easiest way to somewhere. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. He's like, the Philistines, they, they, they want to fight everybody. You know, they got a chip on their shoulder. They got some insecurity issues. You're not going to cross over their land without them wanting to fight. So they're going to fight. He says, so we're not going to send them the closest route because we don't want them going back to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. He said, I'm going to take them the long way, and they're going to go towards the Red Sea. After the tenth plague, the people of the Israel, they get their freedom. But Pharaoh tells the children of Israel to leave. He just don't tell them to leave. But he said, listen, I'm going to pay for your trip. Here's you the silver. Here's you the gold. Here's you the bronze. Here's the jewelry. Take it off. Children of Israel is just grabbing gold, and they're going, hey, honey, we're going on a trip. 
and we got plenty of money. But they didn't go the closest route. God still had them on the long route. And they still were not out of their pinch. You can have materials in your hands and still be in a pinch. You can have millions of money and millions of dollars of money and no debt and be in a pinch. Money doesn't deliver you. Materials don't deliver you from in a pinch moments because there's always going to be an in a pinch moment for people. See, God did not lead them to the closest route because he knew if they seemed to fill the they're just going to go right back to Egypt that represents sin and their comfortable place. So God took them a long way around. Do you ever feel like God's taking you the long way around? Like, you know there's going to be an easier way, but God's just taking you the long way. Maybe he sees something on the short path that's just going to send you right back to your comfortable place. And then you have to start all over again. God has inside information that we are not aware of. He knows something. He knows more than we know, right? So God knows what's best for our life. So that's why he superintends our life and he leads us and he guides us. But Exodus 14, 4 says this. He said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. Now, a hard heart is resistant to what God is wanting to do. It's the will of God. It's refusing to submit to the authority of God. A hard heart says, I don't care what God says or anybody else says. God judges by hearting an already hard heart. Pharaoh's heart was already hard. We read where Pharaoh's heart, he had already had a hard heart. That's the reason why he kept saying no. That's the reason why there became ten plagues. But then God hardened his heart even more. In other words, he became even more vicious. So watch this and listen. Romans 1 and 18 says this. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Who by their unrighteousness suppresses the truth. The further down in Romans 1, right after that. Verse 24. I'm not putting it on the screen, but God gave them over to what they refused to change. He named all these sins. He said, because they would not change, I turned them over. To the sin that they desired. When you don't change and you want more of your sin and God deals with you, you know what God does? He just gives you more of that hard heart and more of that sin that you want. And it just drives you deeper into your own Egypt. God gives them more of what they already were wanting. One of the ways God judges people is giving you more of what you want. That's what you want. In Romans 1, he tells them this. In verse 18, you've seen it. And then in verse 24, he says, yeah, I just turn them over. And he names all these sins. He said, I'm just going to go ahead and give it to you. I'll turn you over to what you already want. Because you want that more than you want me. So God just hardens Pharaoh's heart even more. That's the reason why you need to stay close to God. And keep a soft heart. A heart that can change. A heart that can be molded. The children of Israel were not satisfied with bread from heaven. Raining down every day, they complain. Could you imagine manna from heaven? Sounds heavenly. It is heavenly. God is just raining down. And six days a week, they'd get on the sixth day of the week. They would get a double portion. They would collect it. And that way, they didn't have to go out and collect on the seventh day, and they could rest. But they were so unsatisfied with that. Man, we're just tired of eating bread, God. We're tired of eating bread. So God begins to rain down quail, which is meat. He gives them meat. They're like, we want meat. We want quail. And God gives them quail. They get sick of quail. He couldn't make them happy. He gave them more of what they wanted. He gave them so much they didn't want no more. Like, we got too much quail. 
When I was little, when I would cry or complain about something to my parents, they would respond, if you don't quit complaining or crying, I'm going to give you something to complain or cry about. Did anybody as a child hear that? I didn't know CPS's number back then. Now they give it out. Like, oh, maybe complain more and cry more. This is not good enough. God hardens Pharaoh's heart, so Pharaoh will chase after the very people he just let go. He hardened his heart and said, now you're going to go after them. God makes our situation even worse. He causes Pharaoh to go and chase them down. See, our impinged situation sometimes seems to linger around. We think we're out of it, and there it comes right back. Why does God cause Pharaoh to chase them? Exodus 14, 4 says this. And I, I they're not going to put this back up. They may be able to, but it's okay if you don't. But he said, I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. He said, the reason why I'm causing Pharaoh to even chase after you is I want all the Egyptians, and I want Pharaoh and them to give me glory. I'm going to get honor. They're going to know that I am God. They're going to know it. He said, they wouldn't recognize it for the 400 years you all declared it. Now they're going to know that I'm God. See, Pharaoh and 600 choice chariots and all these officers and army and everything he could bring. He brought everything in the kitchen sink after the children of Israel. And when the children of Israel had seen the army coming, they became fearful and cried out to God. When you're in a pinch or crisis, you're going to cry out to God. Like, well, I didn't cry out to God. It's okay. Neither did the children of Israel. But he said, I'm still faithful to you, even though you wasn't calling out to me last week. I'm still faithful today. When it's bad enough and desperate, you don't care who hears you when you call on God. The problem in the church, we are so proud. And we are so prideful. We care who hears us cry on God. It shouldn't matter how much we cry or how loud we are or what we look like when we call on God. If we're desperate, then we're desperate. And we should not be ashamed of the gospel, ashamed of God, and ashamed to be people of worship and people that call on God. Exodus 14, 11, 12 says, they said to Moses, it is because there are no graves, or is it because there's no graves in Egypt? Here they are. They're in a pinch. They start talking back to Moses. Is it because, he said, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? In other words, they've been smart enough. Of course there's graves in Egypt. What have you done with us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we will serve the Egyptians for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the world. It had been better for us to be comfortable and to be in sin. It had been more comfortable for us to be servants and, 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 and have to be chained down to the Egyptians than to be free. Moses, there's graves in Egypt. We're going to die there. Here they are. We see them now. They're right behind us. We're definitely in a pinch now. You think they, you took out their firstborn. They, they're in bad shape. They're stressed. They're anxious. They're fearful. They're in a pinch. They were saying crazy things like we do when we're in a pinch. Now, how many of you all say crazy things when you're in a pinch? Just me and maybe two others. Okay. Got some honest people. The rest of you can get struck. I'm not sure if you've been where it seems like your emotions have been hijacked by circumstance. But when you're in a pinch, you're not even the same person in the natural. Because it's like someone's hijacked your emotions. Even our hijacked emotions, God has a plan. Exodus 14, 13 and 14, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm. 
and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. He said, and you have only to be silent. Moses said, you guys need to shut up. The Egyptians you see today, you're not going to see no more. You know, he didn't tell them to hush in the fact that they didn't need to tell their kid, hey, we're going to go over here and we're going to do that. No, he was telling them to quit their negative talk. Because they were saying, it's better for us to die in Egypt. We'd rather be in Egypt. Why did you let us do that? Aaron are not graves. I mean, you can just hear them, wham, wham, wham. And then Moses said, you all just need to be silent and quit that negative talk. For God's going to fight your battles. Today, you see the Egyptians back in the day, you're not going to see them anymore. The Egyptians you see today are not going to be seen no more. Moses didn't tell them to be quiet and quit talking. No, he's saying to quit negative talk. Today, you need to shut the negative talk in your inner pinch moment and believe God for his salvation and his deliverance working on your end. See, God gets them out of Egypt and gives them exactly what they're asking for. And they complain. There are people that pray for God to do something. When he does it, they complain about it. They complain before it happened, God delivers them. Then you seem like, didn't you say God answered a prayer for you, but now what you're talking about, you're complaining about that now too. Some people just go negative talk. They just go complain. God is telling us today, get rid of our negative talk. Start speaking life. Start speaking positive things. Start speaking, he is my deliverer. I know it don't look like it, but he's going to deliver me. I know it don't look like there's a way, but he's going to make a way because it's my God. If you keep talking of complaining, you're going to miss the greatest miracle. Is what Moses said. Don't miss the miracle. You cannot experience miracles of provision with negative talk. And then I like this part. This is when it gets real. Moses is an incredible leader. Incredible leader. Exodus 14, 15 says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Now God's not talking to the children of Israel. He said, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. I didn't hear Moses say anything to God. I didn't read nowhere Moses crying and complaining. If anything is, he's telling them to quit the negative talk. But Moses is like us believing God in many ways. We have no record of Moses crying to God, but God tells him to quit crying. Let me tell you what's happening here. People are scared and Moses is preaching to the people. He's telling them God is the way maker. He's telling them that God, there's a way where there seems to be no way. He's telling them that God is a bridge over troubled water. He's telling them that God is the bright and morning star. He's telling them God is so high you can't get over him. He's so low you can't get under him. He's so wide you can't get around him. He is preaching to them. I mean, he's bringing it home. He's telling them we seem to blood applied. He, he, he preserved your firstborn. He's telling all these things. But deep down where Moses lived on the inside, Moses is dying on the inside. He is crying out, God, where are you? I'm preaching to them. I'm saying all the right things. I have no negative talk, but on the inside, he's crying to God, saying, God, where are you? Just like you and I, we're speaking and we are doing all the positive things. We're speaking life, but on the inside of us, our situation looks different. We're like, God, I, I don't want to doubt you, but man, there's some things here that's bringing fear on the people, and I am I am sitting here representing you before the people. God told Moses, tell the people to go forward. Where are they going to go? Behind them is an army. They're in a pinch. In front of them is a Red Sea. God is the way maker. 
I even thought they wasn't around water in Egypt. They didn't go swimming every day. I mean, they had a river coming through, but I'm sure they didn't take swimming lessons and learn to swim. Some of them probably was fearful. How in the world can we go out there? We can't even swim. Exodus 14, 16 says, but lift up your rod. This is what God says. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. In the place of the pinch. In the crisis. In the predicament. In between the rock and the hard place. The place of crisis in your life is when God's going to show you something that you've never experienced before. You better grab that in your spirit. You better get deep down that God is going to show you a side that you've never seen before. Go ahead and get ready. Today, your impinged moment is just a setup for God to rock your world and, and to deliver you out of the snatch of the crisis. God tells Moses the same rod you use to walk around on. To, 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 to direct sheep, the same rod you threw down that became a serpent. You picked it back up and it became a rod again before Pharaoh. That rod they call the rod of Moses. Right now it's not going to be the rod of Moses, but today it's going to become the rod of God. God said you stretch forth that rod over the sea. You declare my salvation. You declare my deliverance. You declare my healing. You declare there's a way where there seems to be no way. You declare I'm God and there is none under. You declare I'm the healer and Day. You declare today, I am the God that delivered his children out of their bondage and out of Egypt. Declare it. Quit being a pansy. Quit being patty cake. Get up, get aggressive. Worship your God. Wash your face. Anoint your head and declare, I am the children of God, the righteousness of Christ. Screaming at us. You better believe I am today. I might throw his pocket at you too. Get ready. God said everyone has to act out their faith. Dude, just wasn't on Moses. Tell him to go forward. Moses, we can't swim. Well, we're either going to drown or they're going to kill us. But God says today is his salvation. Today God's not going to let you drown. He's not going to let Egypt grab you. He's not going to let your past come back for you. He's not going to let your greatest fear get you. But God's going to show you what he can do when you face your Red Sea and the army is behind you. So they just start marching. I believe as they march, the walls just begin to go up on the side. I believe as they kept on walking, there was water in front of them. And as the group was in the front, I just believed water was going up on the side and there was walls. I'm telling you, God says, declare your deliverance today. My God, I believe they just didn't walk around and they sloshed in mud like the movies showed back in the 60s and 70s. But I believe they was kicking up dust. I believe they went across on dry land. I believe some of their eyes was watering because of the dust. But they was declaring that their God was there. And then when the last person stepped on dry land and all of Egypt had came back after them, Pharaoh, the chariots, and the army, then the waters began to crash on them. God said, I will get glory. I will get honor from Pharaoh and all of Egypt today. God even will declare your enemies that he is God. And because of the favor that's on your Life. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.